This is HSBC Global Viewpoint, your window into the thinking, trends and issues shaping global banking and markets. Join us as we hear from industry leaders and HSBC experts on the latest insights and opportunities for your business. A heads up to our listeners that this episode has been recorded remotely, therefore the sound quality may vary. Thank you for listening. Welcome to the Business Plan for the Planet podcast, a series centered around ESG insights. In these episodes, you'll hear from experts whose work is at the heart of sustainability-linked trends and opportunities, as well as from businesses that are delivering change for a better future for us all. Join us as we shine a spotlight on their commitment to a sustainable future. Hi, I'm Kelly Fisher calling in from New York City, and I'm the head of corporate sustainability for HSBC in the US. Thank you so much for joining us. Today, we're talking to two very different companies. Mercon Group is a company with a business plan for sustainable coffee, while C-SPAN is the owner and operator of one of the world's largest shipping fleets, a method of travel that is actually the most fuel efficient for container cargo. Both Mercon and C-SPAN have also taken first of their kind steps into sustainable finance. Hi, Juan Pablo. Hi, Matt. We're so glad to have you here today. So let's start with Mercan Juan Pablo, a company whose stated purpose is to build a better coffee world. I love that. You're a leading green coffee supplier, which if I understand it correctly, means that you're invested from every level, from the farmer all the way to the consumer. Juan Pablo Ibarra is the COO at Mercan, and you're here to talk to us about that purpose and about the first coffee-only green revolving credit facility and the first in the U.S., which the company did in 2019, which at the time was kind of unusual and and really showed that you were leading. Over at C-SPAN, an ambitious ESG strategy has been laid out by the parent company Atlas, committed to being a leader in the container shipping and energy industries, they follow a robust set of ESG targets. Matt Boris, treasurer and head of capital markets at Atlas Corp has joined us to tell us more and talk about its syndicated sustainability linked loan facility, the first of its kind in the container ship industry. To me, the fact that both of you are in finance and operational roles rather than in the sustainability department is a sign that your companies are leading on this. That's always an indicator of success to me when I speak to our clients. So we're so appreciative to have you here today. So getting started, let's first talk a bit about your broader ESG strategies. Matt, if you don't mind, I'd like to start with you first. What are your ambitions and targets for the next five years? Yeah, thanks, Kelly, and and thanks for for having us. So first, just to to provide a bit of context on what C-SPAN is, we're the largest owner on owner and operator of container ships in the world. Uh, so we operate the vessels, we lease them out to some of the largest container ship liners in the world. So Maersk, Capag, Lloyd. So you can kind of think of us as a, a pipeline for the sea. And we own the pipeline and operate the pipeline. What flows through that is the responsibility of, of the global liners. So that's important for how we think about um, what we can control within you know, ESG. And like many other companies, we've been tackling components of, of ESG for for some time, but really informally, you know, you try to um, reduce, you try and maximize safety. So reduce lost time injury frequency, you know, reduce the, the amount of disposable bottles versus reusable bottles, things like that. But 
recently we've been coming together and kind of formalizing that strategy as ESGs become more of a formal thing. So we spent a lot of 2020 and, and 2021 now coming together cross-functionally across the organization to, to discuss what that formal strategy will, will look like. You know, right now you have each kind of silo has been executing on, on aspects of it for years, but bringing that together and near term or in our, in our first year, our goals are modest. So we have our, our inaugural ESG report coming out this year, and that will set out our strategy, how we look at things uh, and our objectives. And then long term, um, we want to be a, a leader in the space. We see the environmental component as the area where our strategy crosses with uh, our ESG strategy or our operational strategy crosses over with our, our ESG strategy and provides us the, the best opportunity to kind of make this a competitive advantage and core competency. So we want to be a leader on the on the environmental side. And what that means is continuing to to create like leading edge designs of vessels that reduce reduce the emissions and improve the efficiency and continuing to kind of uh, improve the global fleet emissions over time. That's great. And I'm so excited that you're doing that work right now, because I think if we can through this conversation, I'd love to get some even more threads on what you guys are planning to announce in that report. I think that's great. And Juan Pablo, I mean, Mercon, over 60 years, right? Uh, you've seen an evolution of what ESG means to you. What is that? What is ESG to you right now at Mercon? And how does that differ? Maybe does it differ from what it was in the past? Thank you, Kelly. It's great to be here. It's great to be able to share with everybody uh, what Mercon has been doing. And to your point, the focus for Mercon is on the global supply chain of coffee. And if you think about that supply chain, at the start of that supply chain is a producer of coffee. And there are different types of producers. Uh, over the years, some of these producers have been able to improve their farming technology with this, their productivity, their environmental and their social aspects. Uh, however, there have been in some parts of the world in areas like in central america some small producers that have not been so fortunate mm -hmm. and they still have a long ways to go and these form, small farmers generally produce very high quality of coffee which is at risk of not being sustainable if the living yeah. income and the standards and the uh the economics are not in place for these farmers so we have put in place a lot of programs and we focus a lot on on the need to support that that small farmer uh, so that uh, they cover their environmental solution their social solution in in their communities but of course there has to be an economic component so that their business is sustainable and and for us what is really at the end most important is that the ultimate consumer of coffee Right, which has been demanding for many years more coffee. People are drinking more coffee, uh, love coffee, but that they understand that the, that the, the good and the premium coffee uh, really is sourced from certain areas that where, where coffee is very difficult to grow. And for them to understand the impact that a truly sustainable coffee supply chain can have on the living income and the standards of living and the standards of sustainability for these producers. 
That's great. And by the way, I forgot to tell you this. I was on the phone a week ago with a regenerative agriculture nonprofit that we're working here with in the U.S. And the woman actually said to me, have you ever heard of this company called Mercon Coffee? They're my example for what exactly what I, I point to when I say regenerative agriculture and, and that sort of farm to customer work. And, and I was like, well, funny, you should mention that I'm going to be talking to them in a week. So I, 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 you started to allude a little bit to this, Juan Pablo, but I'd like to hear from both of you. And why don't we start with you, Matt? What is driving this? Because to me, when you unpack an ESG strategy that is as comprehensive as both of you have going at your companies, it really comes down to who are the drivers? Who are you trying to serve? Is it investors? Is it customers? Is it you know your employees, your executives, media? Um, so Matt, maybe if you don't if you don't mind starting, I'd love to hear from you on that. Yeah, I think it's I think it comes from uh, <clears throat> more particularly in the last few years, it's come from a, a lot of sides. The the investor community has been increasingly demanding um, an ESG component, and I think you know to start the standards have been relatively low it's you know do you have a, a a formal strategy are you thinking about this are you doing something about it um creditors are, are looking to sort of set up um set up metrics to to gauge uh esg and, and grade you against it in the in the container shipping industry uh the poseidon principles was was created by by creditors by lenders to um to sort of formalize the metrics and uh and by which you're you're measuring emissions, by which you're you're graded against, um, so that it could increasingly over time be uh, a bigger component of their underwriting. Um, you of course have you know our our customers are have always really demanded um, fuel efficient vessels. We created um, about a little over ten years ago. We started a, a program to create some of the most uh, environmentally friendly vessels in the industry, um, reducing emissions by about carbon emissions by about 25% uh, and have carried that forward. So there's a bit of a, a competitive drive uh, to do that. Um, and then, you know, some of it is just your your management team's views on, on the world and what's important and what's a, a, a strength and, you know, where the, where the benefits worth the cost. So it, it really comes from uh, from everywhere. And Matt, you know, I don't want to put you on the spot, but do you think that there needs to be slightly more of a push for, you know, because you mentioned investors, for investors to value a company that's on its journey rather than one that's purely green? Because I think we've seen an enormous increase in investor attention, obviously, in oil and gas, but other industries. Is that something that you think should be valued a little bit more highly? a company that is in an industry that needs to transition and then a company that in that sector is leading in doing that transition work. Yeah, I, I definitely do. I think there's there's a huge focus right now on um, on products or, or end products that are green, but you could take, you know, a, an electric vehicle and, you know, view that to be a green product, but let's look at the whole, you know, supply chain throughout that, you know, certainly came um, as well as the materials for that came through a, a container ship. Container shipping right now carries 90% of the value of global goods. Um, and, you know, of course, there's a, there's a broader transport supply chain that connects uh, from raw materials to end product or, or for whatever it might be. 
So we need to to not break a, apart the supply chain or break apart the machine and identify some products as as green and some as not green, but a more holistic view to um, to what what is being done behind the scenes to achieve end goals um, and and transition solutions are a big part of that. So a capital intensive industry like um, like energy or like like shipping is not going to be you know carbon neutral overnight. There's going to be a, a long term transition, and you wouldn't want it to be green over, or carbon neutral overnight because it would mean that you know you're you're scrapping tons and tons of, of vessels and pipelines and everything, which at the end of the day wouldn't be green. Um, but there needs to be, I think, I think more of a, a pragmatic focus on. Um, funneling capital towards those who are doing things right within those within those spaces to drive carbon emissions down over time or, or GHG emissions down over time or on the you know social governance sides as well. Um, and I think the sustainability linked financing is a great thing for that because you you're able to pick your own KPI uh, and you know as long as you you work with a second party opinion provider and it, and it makes sense, um, there's a lot of flexibility there. So, for example, you don't have to with a with a green bond or green loan. For example, you may have to buy something that is carbon neutral. Um, but if it's a sustainability linked financing, you can say we're going to um, we're going to execute on our plan and we're going to reduce GHG emissions by 25 percent by the end of the year. And how you do that can be a combination of things. It could be, um, you know, certain people focused on on certain things, reductions uh, throughout the, the platform or the company. Um, so it provides you a lot more flexibility to get at what, at where we're trying to go, a carbon neutral world, and you know, um, one that's ESG forward, um, in in I think the right way. Yeah, no, I love that. And I completely agree with what you're saying about looking at the whole picture rather than a pure green product or one pure green element. I, I think that's that's amazing. Juan Pablo, who's driving your strategy? I mean, uh, you've already spoken a little bit about the farmers in a way that I thought was incredibly moving, but but who who's driving your strategy at, at Mercon? Thank you, Kelly. Um, you mentioned at the beginning that Mercon is a company that strives to build a better coffee world. And, and it truly is uh, our massively transformative purpose. It is our purpose to, to try to build a better coffee world. It's the essence of who we are. And, and, and I, I really would say sustainability for us has been something that has stemmed from, from this passion to try to make things better as we understand the realities of the coffee supply chain. Right. So so this is really our, our guiding principle. It, everything stems and, and, and begins there. Uh, and, and if we think about the effects that that has, it, it naturally makes us look for the clients that value sustainability, the products that have a good sustainable component and, and value across it and, and how that is perceived and and, uh, and and what is demanding that. But but of course, every single uh, stakeholder along all of our chains so when we think about financing for example we naturally started looking for sustainable financing uh, about four years ago 
and started to explore what, what could be done and how we could better align some of these additional uh, areas uh, that of work that we're doing with our sustainability programs with uh, all of our commercial activities. So, so it's, uh, we're trying to align it with what our customers demand and with what all of our stakeholders in the in the chain are doing, so so the banks play a, a key purpose on it, and and, and we have grown over time to to build our KPIs for for the sustainability linked uh, revolver that we had that you mentioned. It's the first one in the U.S. Uh, that came in 2019, the first one in coffee, and and it was a new concept, but it's nothing different than a than a green bond, except on a revolving credit facility, we have our sustainability incentives that are that if we meet, uh, we obtain a small discount. That small discount gets directly reinvested into the programs that we've agreed that actually drive the uh, the ESG KPIs that 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 matter, right? And and so far we've been focusing, like I said before, a lot on the supply chain and on the impact to the producer to making sure that the, the, the coffee uh, meets good environmental standards, that the social component uh, is met, that there's no child labor, but that we, of course, try to invest in the communities to make the communities for growing coffee better and sustainable over time. And, of course, on the economic front so that the production can be of high quality and, and, and can be productive enough to be economically attractive uh, to the producer. And, and you know, both of you were drawn early on, I think, to this new thing of sustainable finance, new products. If you had to explain, Juan Pablo, to one of your children what a sustainability link loan is, what, how would you describe it? Well, that's a great question, Kelly. I think I would, I would uh, make it akin to... Uh, uh, having a friend that you like versus a friend that is kind of distant to you. So, so you could have a, you know, a friend where you have things in common and, and, and do things with a friend where you have things in common and, and you do things that, that you mutually like and that you mutually appreciate. And, 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 and that's how I would explain it. We, we work with the banks that value the sustainability work that we are doing in our supply chain and are, and are willing to invest in it if we do the right work. I love that description. And Matt, you know, you guys were also drawn to this early on, and now we're seeing it really taking off. What was it about this? I mean, you talked a little bit before, but what was so appealing about this type of, of sustainable finance for, for Atlas? Yeah, I think when we when we learned about the concept of, of sustainability-linked financing, um, it seemed well aligned with, with where we're trying to go. And and looking to do things the right way. I mean, we've been a, a leader on the um, on the the environmental side, on the safety side for ten plus years. So we wanted to find a way to to incorporate that and our, our goals uh, into our financing. Um, and you know, it may seem daunting. The concept of it may seem daunting to to newcomers, but really, if you're a company that's already doing these things, it's likely that you already have a lot of the information and materials ready and it's just pulling it together from across the organization into a, into a public or into a, a usable format. Um, so that that's kind of how we came at it. And I think the real thought that took a lot of time on our side and, and for any issuer should take a lot of, of time and thought is the KPIs, which are the core of, of you know, it really makes uh, 
what is sustainably linked financing, what it is, it's how you measure success. So for us, um, luckily, how we came at it at first was looking to uh, the Poseidon principles, which is the, the industry, um, the, the lenders throughout the industry have, have created this uh, measure and, and a metric is already established for how we're going to measure emissions and, and how we're going to uh, compare across industry. So that was that seemed like a, a, a great starting metric for us. Um, the second was we, we had two KPIs in our first uh, sustainability linked loan. So emissions was the first. Uh, the second was um, more of a supply chain approach, which was interesting for us. So we reward um, or the, the KPI is based on us incorporating into our contracts a sustainability uh, pain gain share sort of thing. So if our customers are um, operating in an environmentally friendly way, we reward them. And if they don't, then we they sort of reward us or, or we penalize them otherwise. Um, and that, you know, that drives alignment throughout the, the supply chain so that what our customers do um, flows through. And the, the pricing impact uh, that we receive is effectively in part flowed through to our customers. Um, so that was that was our way to to link it together. Mm-hmm. And we so our first loan was late last year, late 2020, and was about 250 million. That was sort of our first, you know, test run of the of the um, of the KPIs and how this all works. We found it was it was pretty seamless. And we've since expanded it across uh, our $2.5 billion uh, sort of uh, cornerstone secured financing. And interestingly, we just closed $500 million uh, with U.S. private placement investors. So these are life insurance companies that were also interested in, um, in the same things and were, were uh, keen, to, keen to participate. So we received a lot of a lot of interest and a lot of uh, demand based on that, and it it also spreads the the impact across a broad, broader reach. What what were the internal discussions at Mercon that made you decide? Because you were so early in this, made you decide, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna roll the dice and try this because we think there's something important here. Thank thank you, Kelly. Um, we were really looking for a additional a suppliers. Let's say w- within the. the all of Mercon to help us in this journey. Um, at, at the very core of the the issue that we have in the supply chain is the sustainability of the farmer, like like I stated at the beginning. So we established a program at Mercon that is that we call Lift, uh, and it's a multi-year. Uh, educational and technical support program that works directly with the farmer in order to help that farmer become more productive, become more technified and produce even higher quality product. So this this program takes a lot of resources, right? And and some of the some of the support started to come from our customers that would support having a lift certified coffee uh, that, that that they would uh, sponsor. However, we soon found that some of the banks were very interested in the social programs that we were doing in some of these coffee communities. Um, We work very closely with Seeds for Progress Foundation, which invests 
in the public schools and in the education of the teachers for these public schools to make the schools truly good. So we invest also in the infrastructure, bring up the infrastructure, ensure that the programs, the technology and the teachers are good. And, and we want to make sure that children get a good education. If they get a good education, they're much more likely to remain over time in the coffee business, remain in their community and make these communities prosper. Right. And so we saw the sustainability link loans with all of the indicators trying to do the work that we're trying that, that, that we're advancing uh, with our technical support team on the supply chain uh, linked to incentives that could be directly reinvested into the social programs like Seeds for Progress and therefore making it a closed circle. And our banks really love that story. It was a and way to connect our needs with something that they were willing to invest in. And I love that because I think um, the public is a bit fatigued of commitments with lack of action. And that's what I see day in and day out looking at these sustainability linked loans is I see a real action around the environmental side, you know, GHG emissions, but I'm also seeing all the stuff that you're talking about. I'm seeing real social goals, real diversity and inclusion goals. Um, and they wouldn't be in there if you if your companies didn't think that you were going to address them. And that's really powerful. Well, we need to wrap up. Unfortunately, it was an incredibly brief conversation, but incredibly full of, of information. I want to thank both of you so much and everyone who attended. And a couple highlights for me is I, I hear from both of you that you're not focused on one stakeholder. I think that all of both of you and both of your companies seem to be focused on a myriad of stakeholders all at once in very thoughtful ways. So that would be uh, something that I would share as a recap for all of us. And um, you're driving for success ahead of there being things pushing or demanding it of you. That's what is a leader. That what's that's what defines a leader, right? You all, both of your companies were willing to investigate a new way to make sustainability happen before it was the norm. And, and I think that that's really admirable. Um, and I love that a good business plan of any kind actually probably should be a business plan for the planet, for the people who are on it. And that I thank you very much for being leaders out on realizing that and, and, and um, addressing that. This has been a really special event for us. I'm so grateful and I just want to thank you again, Juan Pablo, on that. Thank you. This has been a special podcast in the Business Plan for the Planet series. More episodes will follow shortly, so please do keep an eye out for those. For more information on the program, visit business.hsbc.com forward slash sustainability. Thank you for listening today. This has been HSBC Global Viewpoint, Banking and Markets. For more information about anything you heard in this podcast, or to learn about HSBC's global services and offerings, please visit gbm.hsbc.com.